0: Well, hello there, woman beings, and welcome to a season four episode of the woman being podcast we are so excited to be here with you today i am your host kelly ann and we have of course the stupendous emma hello hello and the radiant kelly hello (laughs) and today we're gonna be kicking off season four talking about things that used to feel like a super big deal when we were steeped in christian culture and purity culture and church camp and all the things of course and we're just gonna dive right in This is Woman Being,
1: where we explore thoughts and opinions
0: and have the
2: freedom to change our minds without expectation or judgment. We will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine.
0: All right, ladies. I am so excited to be back in the studio with both of you. Dear listener, I am excited to be back in your ear. Oh. What a summer intimate. we have had,
1: guys. It has been a summer. It really
0: has. Summer happened. Summer happened. it's still happening in Reading, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But wow, what a summer we've had. We've had some time off. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have some announcements. Kel, do you want to go ahead? Well, first of all, our
1: baskets.
0: (gasps) Yes. Look at them. (laughs) For anyone that's
1: watching video. (laughs) Yes. We have so many more baskets now. The basketball (laughs) is growing. At some point, it will take over this entire room, maybe the entire house that we are currently in. there might be baskets it's kind of like a bad everywhere hole. yeah, yeah it just good spreads way. on its own we walked in to record today and we were like wow there's more, <laughs> more baskets
2: someone just accidentally pressed purchase on a bunch of baskets and so, accidentally they ended up on the wall didn't minimum
0: know. of a set of eight <laughs> i don't know
1: who would have done that so but yeah, that's, that's, very that's exciting. my only big news
0: Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much
1: it for Kelly's updates. <laughs> Except
2: uh, um, if anyone has been following me on my social media, we never really plug our personal socials, but some of you do. You would know that I'm having a baby. Very which exciting. Which means I am with child. Exactly. I, am, I have a bun in the oven. I'm yeah. yeah. pregnant. Some might say it's our fourth Woman being. Because we did find out it was going to be a girl. Woo! Yes. Very exciting. So woman being number four. Yeah. On the way. Can't wait. Coming yeah. December.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's thrilling.
2: It really is. Very thrilling.
0: Yeah. Speaking D- of thrilling. What? We should tell. You should tell the story.
2: Yeah. W- <laughs> the story. Of how we found out you were with child. Yeah. If for any of our dedicated listeners who remember our trip to Spain, and there was a point while we were in Spain where I fell ill. Yes. And continued to be ill for quite a while. In addition to the fact that I was late and some other factors on your period. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just saying late. Did she share my up brain. Late. Me and Emma got on. The I'm like, with what the do hour. you mean? It yeah, was late. So, no, um, late people, always pregnant. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we had, uh, let's see, what, what, I mean, should I start from the beginning? I don't know. What happened was that we found out I was pregnant while well, we were in Morocco.
1: Yeah. I mean, after there was, Many days of you feeling very sick, very fatigued.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We were limping through yes. Spain and Morocco with you in tow. and In the desert, I putting say. you, say. Yes. Yeah. Putting you on a bus for like 12 hours with horrible. a bunch of stinky strangers. Yeah. To go ride camels in the Sahara Desert, which is magical, but also... We danced were, around the
2: fireplace. We danced around we the did. fireplace <laughs> just in the, some the desert. Some of the worst music
1: I've ever heard. <laughs> we so ate good. a lot of Moroccan food. Yes. We had no other choice <laughs> because that's all they serve in Morocco, it seems, is so Moroccan So much pretty much chicken. Yeah. 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 And um, just dealt with constantly having to feed you at all times. Yes. Otherwise, you felt like you were literally dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember the thing for me that got me was watching you eat a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. And it was like a regular, very normal flavor of ice cream. It was like vanilla chocolate chip or something. Yeah. And you sat there. There were many, many chocolate chips. <laughs> Not many, many, but many, many chocolate yes. chips. Small. Very tiny. And you sat there and picked each individual one out because you were like, I just cannot eat these chocolate chips. And I'm yeah. like, they're, they're chocolate chips. Like, yeah. Even if they weren't like the best chocolate in the world, like it's just a little chocolate chip and an ice cream like i would just eat it yeah and you were like this is just i will throw up if i eat these and it's like, and you are like oh my god like, yeah that that's, that's a pregnant one. That's, <laughs> that's not good
0: that's not good yeah i do remember what you went to the bathroom and we were all out to dinner and i told him i was like if she doesn't start her
2: period and like tomorrow
0: i'm gonna ask her if okay, she wants a pregnancy test to be
2: fair uh-huh. my cycle had been Irregular. Yes. And so it was late, but I had also been traveling a lot. Right. I went to Iowa before we went to – before we left for Spain, basically, like, I had, like, a day mm-hmm. yeah, in the – in our home that was before light. we left again so to me i was like i'm under a lot of stress my cycle's already irregular it's mm-hmm. probably just yeah you're traveling delayed, that's already you know? gonna mess it up mm-hmm.
1: yeah so i wasn't like to me it was just like whatever yeah, yeah. to be fair kellyanne and i were also both late on our periods we were that's true and, we were all but they late. started they, they did they, they came did start. eventually while we they were did. on the trip and then we weren't able to get a hold of a pregnancy test for you until the last day that we were in morocco Oh my god. Because it was Ramadan. Yes. And so all the pharmacies were closed. Yeah. And so we finally got a test for you, and you took it. And (laughs) I remember Kellyanne and I are sitting on the couches of our Airbnb just waiting. We were wide open. While you sit there, yeah, while you go in the bathroom. And it felt like within seconds, you (laughs) yelled out to us, I'm so pregnant.
2: (laughs) Because it instantly turned pregnant. Yeah. It was like. It turned pregnant. You know how you're supposed to like take the test and then you have to wait three yeah. minutes or whatever the time yeah. limit is. And then yeah. you check it. Like I peed on it and it was immediately positive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then we all cried. Yes. Yeah, It was we very did.
2: bonding and We did It was very special. And yeah. I think at that point we had sort of been talking about it this whole time. And I think by the time I had, like, wrapped my head around this being a possibility and we finally got a pregnancy test, because I think it was, like, five days after we originally were, like, we need a pregnancy test. (laughs) test." So I think I would have been disappointed if it wasn't positive. Mm, Yeah. Because you kind of built it up. Yeah. I was kind of excited. And I have always wanted to be able to surprise Ross with the news that I'm pregnant, but he's way too aware of my cycle and when it happens and things to for that to be, like, possible. Yeah. So, um so I you was excited about that. Them. So he had no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just lied to him. I was like, I feel great now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you I feel good job. awesome.
1: <laughs> I I don't feel crazy or sick or fatigued at all. Yeah. <laughs> so much better today, babe. Yeah, <laughs> everything's
0: totally fine. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's really exciting. Yeah. 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 We yeah. also have other news. We do. Uh Kelly Ann. <laughs> Oh, they're exciting. <laughs> this is less exciting. This is less exciting. It's exciting in other ways. This is not it an is. update. Yeah. It is
0: exciting in other ways. Um, I was laid off from my job last week, which yes. is actually wild to me. Um wah, wah. It is. <laughs> but also, I think, like, I, I think it's so important to share things like, mm. oh, my gosh, things are amazing. Things are also crazy. And, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like in this weird space of like decompressing from my last job, and also kind of like recentering. And like, okay, I'm like doing this like program to become like a certified integrative trauma coach. And I'm like, what do I want to do now? Do I want to try and get another job? Do I want to try and start a business? Like, what? What is it? And it's that weird in between space. Um, but it's also like kind of.
1: Cool and exciting.
0: Yep. Liberating. Liberating, mm, one could say. say.
1: And but scary. Yeah. It is but... scary.
0: But also, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think if I fail, I'll know I'm failing before I actually hit rock bottom. So it'll be fine, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, and such so, hopeful yeah. sentiment. So. And uh, my husband's really supportive. So mm-hmm. that's great. He's yeah. not pushing me to like, do anything other than he did push me to take a shower the other day. He was like, I was depressed. And he was like, I love you. I'm gonna hug you and hold you. But also now I need you to go take a shower. And I was yeah. like,
1: okay. And you know what? We need people in our lives that tell us, you know, just take a shower. Go take a well, shower. Well you know what?
2: Taking a shower, I would say, is one of the most cleansing, feel good activities that you can like, yeah. Going from not having a shower and finally getting a shower, that yeah. is that is a feeling like none other. It's true. It is. Too. You will definitely feel better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Basic needs. Mm-hmm. Emma, how's your summer been? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mine has been way less eventful <laughs> in terms of life updates. I found out my car has an air pump in it. That's that's big That was cool. was fantastic because I had a flat tire this week. <laughs> I was able to pump that sucker up. I learned how to use a drill. Mm. I drilled some holes in my ceiling and didn't put a giant hole in my ceiling, which I have done in the past with a drill. Wow. And I hung hanging plants there. They still have not fallen. So that's a win. That's excellent. Mm. Basically, I've just learned some basic skills.
0: <laughs>
1: Call them with all summer. of
0: your DIY needs. Yes,
1: I'm essentially a handyman now. You're an <laughs> autonomous, fully adult. Yes, woman. I wasn't an adult before, yes. but now I am. But fully adult. Yes, yes. I've metamorphi- Metaf- metamorphosized. metamorphosized into a fully-fledged adult woman. It's like a butterfly out of a cocoon. Yes, yes, at the ripe age of 28. <laughs> <laughs> Almost
0: 29. Yeah. So amidst some of these life changes and needs and output and all the things, we have decided to kind of make a few changes to the structure of this season because... We needed it. Life is happening fast and furious, and we still want to be able to enjoy and give our best work to the Woman Being podcast. So with that, we are switching from a one episode per week schedule to a one episode per month schedule. Yes. So we will have 10 episodes this season, which I know is kind of like, oh, that's less to listen to. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Just go back and listen to the old ones. But don't (laughs) tell us about it because... We've gotten so much better at what we do in the last four years. (laughs) I think we've gotten a lot better. But it's going to allow us to really put a lot of intentionality in how we craft each episode because we're doing 10. Um, So I feel really excited and hopeful about the content we will get to put out this year. So that's just like a little announcement.
1: I think it's exciting because we will be able to focus in on very like specific topics and Mm -hmm. things that we want to talk about we have talked about so much on the Mm -hmm. podcast and yet we still have more to say which is shocking um but we have a lineup of really great guests that we are working on getting for y'all uh we've already interviewed a guest and recorded an episode that was amazing Mm -hmm. that will be coming to you next month i think in october uh so look out for that Uh, It'll be the third Tuesday of every October of every October of every month, (laughs) except for this month, which is the last Tuesday, because life,
0: (laughs) (laughs) life is real. So,
1: yeah. 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 But it's very exciting. We're also kind of honing in on what we talk about Mm -hmm. to an extent, Uh, We have a new tagline. Mm -hmm. If y'all have noticed, if anyone is (laughs) sharp-eyed and you've looked on our Instagram or TikTok bios or our Threads bio, (laughs) you would see uh, our new tagline. Which is?
2: A post evangelical podcast from the feminine perspective. There we go. Ooh la la. Ooh, Ooh, la, 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 la. la. <laughs> yeah. Before, for anyone that doesn't remember, it was the exploration of everything, the explanation of nothing. Yes. Which we still hold as one of our core values. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess two of our core, core values in there. We decided that based on surveys we've done, based on feedback that we've done, based on reviewing um, what content performs, what content seems to resonate most with people what episodes get the most kind of interaction um that really kind of the the post-evangelical perspective as it relates to purity culture and femininity and health and the way we look at the world really seems to kind of center so much of what we talk about and so much of what our audience really um is processing through and so for us it's less of a change in what we're doing or Mm-hmm. or like what we already yeah it's not like we're changing the podcast but it's more so that we're refining our understanding of who we are
0: so there you are you are up to speed we missed you we're glad to be back in the studio and honestly it feels it feels so special to be back in here
2: with you guys yeah so and we've got a, like a really good season queued we do up. yeah yeah got some great ideas it'll be mm-hmm. really good yes really fun as we've kind of addressed
0: all of those things and caught everyone up to speed. Today, we're going to be talking about, as I mentioned in the intro, kind of about the big things that used to feel like a massive deal Um, when we were in Christian culture, when we were younger, when we were teenagers or adolescents. I mean, there were, the stakes used to feel so high. So we're going to kind of unpack some of that today. And maybe that helps. This will, you'll either empathize or resonate with what we're saying, or maybe like some of these things still feel like a big deal to you. And maybe we can help take some of that pressure off. So I think that's the hope for today. But let's talk specifically within the religious practice space. I think there used to be so much high stakes of like, oh my gosh, I have to check off all these boxes in order to fit in the like correct mold and like be successful. And I'm just curious, what were your guys' experiences with that? And like how, looking back now, what are some of the things that were like, holy shit, like that was a big deal, but it didn't need to be.
2: I've reflected on this quite a few times over the years uh, through the deconstruction process, process through this podcast on the the idea of like religious practice sort of being presented as a practice versus being Mm -hmm. presented as like a lifestyle or the right way to live Mm -hmm. which I think is very distinct and different Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think now I look at at things that have proven benefits like prayer Mm-hmm. Maybe even speaking in tongues, uh, meditation, all of these sort of uh, worship, all of these things that come along with religion that are religious practices, so often felt like they were do or die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's either you do meet with God every day in the morning for 30 minutes in your morning devotion or you don't, and mm-hmm. it's bad if you don't, and it's good if you do, rather than just presenting as like, these are all of sort of the methods that sort of accompany the faith that can be beneficial to one's spirituality, life, and health. Mm-hmm. And so I think that probably would be my summation of my understanding of religious practices is, to me, they they didn't feel like something I could pick up and put down. Mm. They felt like things that I had to hold all the time. And I just constantly felt guilty for not being enough.
0: Yeah. That's a really good distinction too. Because I said religious practice, but really you're right. Like we were, or at least I was sold Mm -hmm. a lifestyle. Yes. Like this is what your day looks like to be successful,
2: to be good. As sure as you wake up and go to sleep Mm -hmm. every day, like you you know, as sure as the sun rises and fall sets or whatever, you must do these things or mm-hmm. your life must look this way mm-hmm. as opposed to like, here's a way you can engage with your faith. Mm-hmm. Here's like, you know, methods of in the way it's, it's like the way I look at yoga now versus mm-hmm. it's very different. It's sort of like a beneficial thing that I enjoy and I like doing. Do I feel pressure to do it every day? Absolutely not. Do mm-hmm. I sometimes do it every day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it does not feel like a measure of my worth in terms of the how much or the, the I don't know, the dedication that I give to it. Yeah. Whereas, um, yeah, I think religious practice, when I was steeped in it, felt like a must. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so
0: real. I mean, I remember... Like Wednesday night service yep. for youth group would roll around, and we'd break up into small groups, and like the question was like, "How many times did you have quiet time with God this week?"
1: Really? Oh, a hundred percent. You'd get interrogated. A
0: hundred percent. It was like how like how much did you read your Bible? Mm-hmm. Or like even oh, I remember. And here's the thing: if you benefit from this and love doing this. I have no like shade towards that. Mm -hmm. But like when the new year rolls around and everyone gets the read a Bible in a year plan Mm – And I always thought
1: those were so silly.
0: I (laughs) felt so guilty and Mm -hmm. so much pressure. Like I have to catch up Mm -hmm. if I fell behind Mm -hmm. and I had a learning disability. So keeping up with reading the Bible in a year for me was very hard, Mm -hmm. like very challenging. And um, yeah, that was a huge thing. I felt a lot of shame and a lot of pressure around Mm -hmm. that. Wild times.
2: Yeah, no, and it, even, like, it, it, would, it would sort of be um, indirectly enforced, I would say. It wasn't like anyone was standing up on stage and saying, well, actually, people were standing up on stage and saying, you must do this every day. Mm-hmm. But um, the indirect ways that it would affect you would be, like, let's say you're having a problem or you're, like, stressed about something or worried about something or whatever. You're expressing your problems like a very common response from friends, from leaders within the church context would be like, well, how much have you prayed about it? Or, Yeah. Like, how much have you sat down with God and like pursued the scriptures about it? Or how yeah. much have you blah, blah, blah. And almost like it invalidates you having the problem if you haven't done the work to deal mm-hmm. with it mm-hmm. via these practices. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so to me, I would say just like doing it all the time was the pressure Mm -hmm. as opposed to like getting getting to (laughs) and i sometimes i look back on my faith and i'm like i wonder how much more open it would feel to like participate within the christian faith
1: now if i if it didn't feel so high stakes Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
1: yeah i remember i think i would use that idea of like going to god for problems as like a a way to try to help people through problems when I didn't have any answers because I was a child. (laughs) I would just be like, well, what's God saying about it to you? Because I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. But then, like, I could see how that would add pressure to people of, like, well, I guess I should be talking to God about it more. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and it is it is, too, a form of spiritual bypassing, too, in the sense that, like, Oh, even if you have prayed about it, but you still have the problem, have you prayed hard enough? Like essentially the idea is like if your faith is strong enough and your relationship with God is good enough, then you'll have the answer you need. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like because I did the same thing as you. Like I'd be like, well, what does God say about it? Or like how much have you like I have you prayed about yeah, it? Yeah, I like, did the same thing too. You know, like because it's like I – again, I was a child. I didn't have the answers. Yeah. Like I don't know how to help your problem. I'm sorry you're having – Issues in your relationship or whatever, like, turbulent thing is happening um, for someone. And, yeah, it was – I felt a lot of pressure to, like, mm-hmm. have an answer, but I didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. So I, like, was, like, you should talk to God about it.
2: <laughs> well, and I feel like it sticks with me still, too, in the way that I approach anything that's good for me. Mm-hmm. is like, broccoli. It's very good for me, right? Mm-hmm. And – or working out. Working out is maybe a better example. I know that working out is good for me, and I try and do it consistently.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And I have to, like, almost verbally or at least, like, in words in my mind remind myself it is, like, physically impossible for me as a human to be 100% consistent all the time. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that life happens and things change and sometimes I don't get – you know, three in every week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. I get two in. Sometimes I get one in. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get four in, you know, like. And so I've noticed um, with things that I attach obligation to, I really struggle with, like, sticking with if I'm not all in, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like the pressure of, oh, my God, my my eating habits are not healthy enough just kind of overrides my ability to even try. You know? Yeah. And so I think there's almost a little bit of brain rewiring and learning how to approach my health, whether that's physical, mental, spiritual, etc., in a way that is, you know, Fluid, because <laughs> mm. I think I mean ultimately the everyday thing, the same all the time, is a very masculine approach to and patriarchal approach to faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when and like life and mm. and life, yes, like yeah. nine to five every day, yeah, blah blah blah. You know, so I in reconnecting with myself and with my womanhood, I think there's a level of like letting things ebb and flow. And it, when I'm under a lot of stress, I can take on that shame when I'm feeling like something is not consistent enough or or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it's interesting how it kind of bleeds into like the way yeah. you view life.
0: Yeah. No, I completely agree. I've found a similar struggle in like accepting that ebb and flow, especially with coming from such a prescriptive background of like, this is what it looks like. But there were also so many things that were, like, more occasional that felt like monumental moments of faith. Mm -hmm. So, like, to me, I think of speaking in tongues if you come from a charismatic background or baptism. And if you got baptized, when you got baptized, and how you got baptized, and did you go through confirmation or were you – like, I mean, yada, 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 on and on. And then also just even the pressures of how you interpreted the Bible. So – What are your guys' thoughts on, like, some of those things that were more, like, not as consistent, but, like, still, like, built up
1: to be huge things? I feel like the interesting thing with the baptism piece is I noticed a trend. I don't know if this was a thing in y'all's church environments, but there was a trend of getting Mm re-baptized. So, um, for example, I got... Weirdly confirmed into a Methodist church in middle school, even though I barely attended any of the confirmation classes and we barely even went to that church ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But for some reason, I got confirmed into that church and I got a sprinkling done to me as like a 14 year old, maybe, no, 13. And I literally did not even know what the purpose of that ceremony was for like i did not go i cannot reiterate how much i think i went to one confirmation class total and that was it and they still let me get confirmed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i didn't know why it was a deal of any sort you gotta sprinkle as many of them as you can i just knew (laughs) that other kids my age were doing it too Mm -hmm. that's all i know uh i don't remember have any having even a conception of saving Like, Mm. that was not even something that crossed my mind. Later on, I did get baptized as an 18-year-old in a dunk baptism because I wanted to have that, like, moment of Mm. getting to be baptized. I had already been a, like, quote-unquote born-again Christian for, like, four years at that point. Mm. But I wanted to do it. Um, I did it in Nicaragua because that was a special place to me at the time. So I did it there and I did it with my best friend. So it Mm. was like very ceremonial, but I've known so many people who have gotten re-baptized because they either got baptized when they like, quote unquote, weren't really Christian or because which would have been my case is why I got baptized again. Or they like had fallen away from the faith and then come back. And so now they were being baptized as, like, a rededication to Mm -hmm. Jesus, which is interesting because that's not in the Bible. (laughs) Like, literally none of those things are in the Bible. Um, So did you all see that trend of, like, being baptized multiple times? Because I feel like most people I knew got baptized more than once. Yes. I mean, I was baptized as an adult.
2: I mean, I was 16. Um, Yeah. But but was also baptized as a baby Mm -hmm. and then felt like... I think it changed my beliefs or something. I was like, no, baptism as a baby doesn't count. You have to make that conscious decision to follow Christ. Yeah. So now I'm making that decision. Yeah. But I I mean, regardless of like what the rules were or weren't, the point is that there were rules. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And everyone had an opinion Mm -hmm. about whether or not you should or shouldn't rebaptize get baptized in the first place get baptized a third time rededicate via baptism like there was hundreds and hundreds of schools of thought on like what was right or wrong and whether you should or shouldn't and i think that to me is what rings like especially in the context of what we're talking about like that rings the most interesting mm-hmm. is like this rigid rigidity mm-hmm. with which we like approach certain practices, like yeah. like you mentioned, the inherency of scripture,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the idea that you could read the Bible and not interpret it within a specific set of rules for me is just very new and out of my box. Mm-hmm. And it is an expansion of understanding faith that I feel like has been very valuable. And I don't think I would have arrived here without exterior influences like mm. this podcast <laughs> and all of the people that we've met. But yeah, I don't know. Like, Yes, I was rebaptized technically, but f- within my faith practice, I had never actually been baptized at all. So therefore, oh. it was my first baptism. That's wow. interesting. Yes,
1: very interesting. So the first one is just considered that essentially did not happen. It was just
2: a ceremonial practice that didn't mean anything. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's
0: kind of similar to like because I was raised United Methodist, and so as a baby, you're dedicated. Quote yes. unquote, and then you go through the confirmation class, and then you're baptized. And I was baptized, and did all those Sprinkled? things. Sprinkled? No, I was dunked. Oh, I was because like, I thought the Methodists were sprinklers. Well, we offered we well. offered three forms of baptisms. We did sprinklings, which is very common with dedications. We did. Uh, submersion which we have the giant tank mm-hmm. above the altar uh, uh, yeah we have the giant Whoa. tank above the the choir loft mm-hmm. and so it's literally like you are up like behind the like, screen bah. it's crazy <laughs> shit um so there's that and then we also did pouring which was a really beautiful i actually thought that the pouring was really beautiful you like pour water over, like, someone kneeling into, like, a bowl. It's oh. kind of cool. And you did You're, all
1: three. All three of those
2: were, like,
0: valid? Those
2: – all three were
1: options. That – I have never heard of a church doing more than one kind. Yeah. I've always thought – because it's always been painted to me as – so many denominational splits even mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. the um protestant yes. faith have been because of method of baptism. Yes. Yeah. And so the idea that a church would be like, oh, we're chill with all three of these yeah. is yeah. just absolutely wild to me. But yeah. also I got baptized in a lake. I also was we, in a lake. We didn't yeah. have a um
2: a church building. We were in uh high school. Gotcha in the auditorium, and so we we went to Fish Lake. and yeah, I got baptized there, yeah, but it was like, yeah, the the submersion was heavily emphasized as this idea of like a ceremonial death, and yeah, then
1: and then raising yeah. raising to yeah. life, sort of, and that's
0: the weird thing because we had that same thing. And like, it was like everyone clearly thought submersion was like the superior. Oh. Form. No one said it, but like it was like, well, what kind of baptism yes. are you? No, that's get definitely done? superior. Um, and so anyway, it was kind of like weird, but I remember one of my sisters expressly did not want to go through confirmation. And my parents were like baffled mm-hmm. as to why she might not want to be confirmed into our church. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there is definitely that like pressure and like that huge, like like monumental. Decision of like no, actually I don't want to participate
1: in that way. Well, and see, our church didn't believe in confirmation.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: my church was anti-membership. Yeah, in general, so it was, it was like, just
2: it's a you're personal just relationship. Part of the, yeah, that cannot be. Defined you come to by the church, you're part of the church. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: ours was well because like mine was a part of the United Methodist Convention, mm-hmm. so I think that was like a very like numbers-driven thing that they like kind of required.
2: For funding. Yeah. And for the brief period that I was in a Methodist church, there was confirmation. Mm -hmm. And most of the people my age were getting confirmed and doing the classes. Mm -hmm. And my parents were expressly like, you don't need confirmation in order to have faith. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Like, so they just like didn't
0: force us to do it
2: or require us to do it and also actively were sort of against it as a practice. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, a class doesn't make you a Christian.
0: Mm, yeah. No, it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, and in my opinion, that's like the right perspective. Yeah. Like a class doesn't necessarily mean you are any faith tradition. Totally. So, but
2: yeah, I mean, that's just what's. I think the like the infighting. Yeah. <laughs> about that is like so prominent among churches. Yeah. Is like the right or wrong way, or, I don't know. And to me, it's like. It's so bizarre that, because there's so much diversity in how people choose to express their faith, that it wouldn't be taught with more open handedness mm-hmm. I think that, like looking back, yeah, the idea that pastors, like with a seminary bachelor's degree barely would stand up on stage with a congregation of a hundred or a thousand people, or I don't know if anyone's from the south, like twenty thousand people and say, this is the correct form of faith. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're probably still fine if you don't agree, Mm -hmm. but it it still felt very serious. Yeah. They were like, here are all the bad things that could happen
0: Mm -hmm.
2: or the things you could miss out on if you don't do it the right way.
0: Yeah. No, it's so real. And, like, saying that makes me think of something like speaking in tongues, Because that is something the United Methodist Church does not necessarily align with. But like we had a pastor at one point that was very influential within like the kind of evangelical spaces of Oklahoma. But that was something like they sent us to an evangelical church camp. Like when we were in uh, middle school and high school at Once Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. Not when I was older, but it was called Camp Dry gulch and there was a night where it's like, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, granted, I was like seven or eight. So I was a literal child, but they allowed children to come to a separate room. Anyone that did not want to go could could leave and go back to their cabin or whatever.
2: Anyone that wasn't really faithful, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, didn't have to participate for sure, yeah,
0: basically. <laughs> and so I was like, I want to see what this is about." And I was like, what the hell? Mm. And like, I remember there was there was a lot of discussion sure. and concern around the children res- like
1: being taught this doctrine and mm.
0: yada, yada yada. and it became a huge thing
1: when you say evangelical, do you mean like charismatic? specifically? Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah because right. yeah, because Methodist is evangelical, yeah, yeah or yeah under and Ambro. Baptists and yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. Lutheran, mean, et cetera. yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm confused by <laughs> terms. Yeah. No
2: worries. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that's an that's interesting thing because I'll point back to – I've heard – I mean, and maybe this is just because I come from a Christian context and so Christians are trying to sell me on speaking in tongues. But I've heard mm-hmm. there are, like, like, mental health benefits to speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. you know, that it, like, puts your brain in a certain type of state that, you know, boosts your mood and mm-hmm. helps your immune system. And I don't know, like – There's studies around these types of practices and how they benefit people. But I also wonder, like, what about like, are there studies that measure sort of the maybe negative effects of how much pressure is put on people Mm -hmm. to sort of like be able to speak in tongues or not?
0: Right. Well, and it also makes me wonder, like, is it is it the aspect of speaking in tongues? Is it the fact that you are getting into a meditative state? Mm-hmm. Or is it even something that I'm learning about right now is is the resonance of your voice. Mm-hmm. Like that can be very healing and helping you process trauma and all these things. And so I'm like, is it speaking in tongues or is it potentially these other things that could be happening in addition to?
2: Well, and I would say probably the same about prayer and the same about meditation yeah. and the same about, you know, all these things as a sort of like, a grounding practice or you know there there's some like scientific mm-hmm. quote unquote like aspect to why religious practices benefit you and mm-hmm. your mental health that may not be using those words right but yeah I think like that's what's hard to maybe wrap my hand around a little bit is like there are studies that show benefits to spirituality, mm-hmm. right?
0: For sure. That show
2: like happiness associated with being involved in spirituality. There's a community aspect. There's like all these things, which is hard to like chew on being in the deconstruction space where there's also so much harm mm-hmm. caused. And like how do you how do you frame spirituality in a way that people can come and receive and benefit from, but like it's not cult-like mm-hmm. and that you're not indoctrinating people and that it is not so rigid. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess coercive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In its approach to how people like are able to receive the benefits of faith.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd love to know. There's like so much gray. Um, but obviously, like you said, there's so many proven scientific benefits. But some things that we do not have scientific benefits necessarily. <laughs> Are this restrictive controlling nature, specifically around young women Mm -hmm. and their bodies and what behavior is acceptable and what behavior is not acceptable. Totally. I mean, the list
1: goes on. (laughs) (laughs) It
0: does. But, like, within, like, the restriction space, like, that felt so high stakes. Like, Mm -hmm. so... Like, oh, my God. Important. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think, are we all traumatized? I feel like we could all be
2: traumatized. Oh, my gosh. Like, how how are you not traumatized by the (laughs) idea that if you bend over and your shirt falls such a way that a certain man or boy could see your boobs and thus be caused to fall into sin and that it's your fault? How could that not be traumatizing in some way? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember hyperanalyzing everything I wore. Every Sunday. Still do. I remember, like, from the tank top to the leggings, if you are wearing leggings, to show your butt or not show your butt. We all know the correct answer was to not show your butt. <laughs> you know, like, on and on. Or, like, do your heels make you look slutty? Or is it, like, a
2: classy touch? <sighs> like, whoa. Well, and then the biggest mindfuck. and at the end of the day, what, what you are wearing, is it because... Is it because you want attention? Oh, my like, God. Like, what's your, what's your real motive? Yeah. The like, assumption was yeah. if
1: a woman is dolling herself up, yeah. is dressing a certain way, it is to receive yeah. male attention, which is so – such a male-centric idea first place. Yeah,
2: and, and if you have any doubts, place,
1: right, like if you have yeah. any doubts about, like, should I wear this shirt
2: or shouldn't, think inwardly deeper. What is, what is your true motive? What are you trying to – Get, you know, and so, yeah, the ultimate, like, mindfuck of being, like, oh, my gosh, I guess I probably wish I was wearing this swimsuit so that I could, like, fit in and be popular, and that's not something God wants.
1: Hmm.
2: (laughs) He doesn't care about those things. I, He wasn't cool. (laughs) Think of John the Baptist. He was a weirdo. So (laughs) I guess, like, ultimately it's just vanity, therefore I shouldn't. And vanity is a sin. And vanity is bad. And that is... Yeah. That's a hard one yeah. to unravel.
1: Yeah. yeah. But, like, if a if a guy spends hours and hours in the gym working out to build up his muscles oh, so that that's, he looks a that's certain just way.
0: That's, that's treating his body like, like a, a temple. temple. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember there was just some guy at church one day who just said offhandedly uh, that he thinks that girls should never wear makeup. Like, if they're truly secure in who they are, if they're truly trying to honor God and the beauty God gave them, they should just not wear makeup because don't – why would you cover up the face God gave you? And I felt so deeply guilty just hearing that Mm. that I stopped wearing makeup for two years. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Just full stop. I was like, I guess I just won't wear makeup anymore. Damn. Because – I I need to look godly. Well,
2: and the funny part, I've never worn with makeup. The only reason I wear makeup is because of the patriarchy in the corporate world. Yeah. um, Fair. My happiest days are days that I don't feel pressure to have to wear any makeup. I had internalized this idea that because I didn't wear makeup, I was – Spiritually superior to any Mm. other insecure woman out there that felt like she couldn't, yeah, you know, or she had to wear makeup or,
1: yeah, it's so silly because I always just thought makeup was fun growing up. Like, I remember in elementary school, I got this makeup kit that was like glittery kid makeup, Mm. and I brought it to the playground. I like snuck it into school, brought it to the playground, and my friends and I like globbed glitter on our faces, and it was just fun. It was like, I like. Getting to, like, do this. And, like, as you got older, there was a sense of insecurity, I think, that came along with it of, like, oh, I need to cover up pimples mm-hmm. or things like that as you're hitting puberty, as you're going through all of these hormonal changes. Yeah, I wanted to cover up my pimples. I didn't like the way they looked. Uh, but I think that it's, it's, like, heartbreaking to me to, like, see that, like, break away. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think maybe this is a bit of a devil's advocate moment. I think there was a sense in which it made me feel like I don't have to have it. Mm. And I think that even though I felt I did it out of like a guilt moment, I I do think there was a sense of like – I realized like, oh, I don't need makeup. Mm. And at a time when I was like, what's I was 16, I think maybe Mm. at a time when there's a ton of pressure to wear makeup at the same time. So you're saying that's like the silver lining that came out of it, maybe? Yeah. I think there was a little bit of a silver lining in that sense. Um, But then when I went into college, I played with makeup a ton and I had so much fun with it with Mm -hmm. eyeshadow and lipstick and things that I didn't even get to experience because I in high school, had just, like, cut makeup out. It was Mm -hmm. like, this is not an option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I think that – I do think it helped me feel less dependent on it, if Mm -hmm. you're going to give the silver lining of it. But I don't love that it came out of this, like, guilt, Mm -hmm. this idea that, like, to be a a more holy person that I need to not wear makeup. Like, to be a more righteous woman, I don't wear makeup. Yeah. But all of it did feel so monumental Mm
2: -hmm. in terms of, like – are you good or not? Mm-hmm. Do you love God or not? Like, you know, have you fully accepted his plan for you in your life or not? Yeah. Like whether or not you can resist the PG 13 rated movie that your friends want to watch or not. Like, oh my
0: gosh, yeah. like
2: how well can you resist the world?
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: yeah. and here's the thing. I'm very good at resisting <laughs> <laughs> looking back. I'm like, I was just like, great, you don't want me to do that? I won't. But but it was in. But at the cost of becoming hyper-obsessed with every decision that I made and mm-hmm. whether or not it was right or wrong. Yeah.
0: That's crazy that you brought up the movies, though. Because mm-hmm. I remember movies were a huge thing. And then also what kind of music you listened to yes. was huge. And I liked Disney radio. So... <laughs> I would listen to Disney radio in my room by myself, and I felt bad about it.
1: I remember feeling
0: guilty, like, oh, my gosh, they're not singing. Basically, like, in my brain, they were not singing about God. Therefore, the message of something outside of God was getting into my mind and into my heart.
2: Damn. See, Mm. Disney music, for me, I think, was... It was safer. It was, yeah. It was, like, I am resisting the pop culture nonsense out there mm-hmm. and, you know, choosing a more wholesome. I mean, I was basically infantilizing myself and, mm-hmm. and saying, like, oh, I won't deal with any of these adult themes because yeah. they're, you know,
1: bad. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. totally. And I will stay innocent and pure and young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember throughout elementary and middle school, I was a big fan of the Beatles. And I had collected Beatles records and CDs and paraphernalia And when I became a Christian in high school, I was like, the Beatles aren't worshiping God. So I sold all of my Beatles stuff. I hate hate this story.
2: It's so tragic. I
1: sold it all. Like I had a collection of things and I sold all of it and only listened to Christian music for about, I think I stuck with that for like two years. And Mm -hmm. then when I was around 16, I watched a video from... Do you know who Jefferson Bethke is? Yes. He was like an early Christian influencer. I do know. He who did he the is. "Jesus is Greater Than Religion" video that was like viral mm, in the Christian yep. realm. Uh, he did a video about how like you can worship God through secular music, and how mm. like the example he used was Michael Jackson's "Man in the Mirror," mm. and right. how that song is talking about improving yourself. You're looking at the man in the mirror, and you want to change your ways. You want to be better, be a better person. He's right. like, "How is God not in that?" And I was like, "Oh." all right, I'll listen to secular music. (laughs) And then I just started listening to it again. And it was very like, it was just like a switch back to me. Um, But there was a period where I thought like, oh, I have to. And it wasn't even like, I had friends who didn't do that. And I didn't care that they didn't. Mm. Like it wasn't a big deal, but it was like, in my mind, I was like, I want to do every possible thing that I could do to like be as dedicated to God as possible. Mm. So I'm going to do this. But I didn't tell other people they should. Mm. So it was – I don't know how I added that up in my head. But I did – I do regret that I got rid of all of that Beatles stuff. But Yeah. Yeah. People will reference, like,
2: our childhood who grew up in normal, like, watch things like Spongebob or whatever. And I'll be like, anything pop culture – like until like 2015 is just a black hole for me. I may like I may have picked up a thing here or there, you know? Like mm. there are certain songs that were obviously big enough that I couldn't not know them. Yeah. But like I don't have that. Mm. I don't have that like childhood nostalgia about anything aside from like when especially when Christian music started becoming cool. Mm. And there was like rock music and like pop music and rap music and all these things that were Christian. That was that was like my safe space in terms of, like, pop culture. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Uh, Do you guys remember, like, the sermon, the the idol sermon that was, like, have no idol before me? And then, like, your pastor would talk about, like, these are the types of idols that you could have. Like, you could worship another god. You could worship money. But also an idol could be... Hilary Duff are you obsessed with Hilary Duff Um, maybe she's an idol in your life (laughs) you know or do you love anything more than God do you love anything at all That might be an idol in your life. (laughs) Yeah. Did you guys get that sermon? I got that sermon a lot of times. hundred percent. A hundred percent. It
0: was the worst, too, because I'd be like, I have to go home and make a list of all of the things. And actively try and remove that from my life.
2: Because, first of all, it's not like it happened one time. Like, I I don't know how many times I've gotten that sermon, but I have received Mm -hmm. that sermon a lot of times. But, yes, it was always like, uh, I mean, I gave up playing guitar and singing because I – In worship. (laughs) Like, I was leading worship music, and I gave it up in college because I felt like I was making it too much about me. Because you were good? Mm, I don't know.
0: Because you liked
2: it too much. Yeah, I just, like, I wanted to be good at it too much. Oh,
0: Mm -hmm. that's interesting. I'm sorry.
2: I hate that. You know what I
0: mean? But, yeah, I did, like, similar things. Mm -hmm. 100%. Like, part of me when I quit dancing, because that was, like, essentially, like, the direction in life I wanted to go. Um, When I gave, quote-unquote, gave that up, half of it was, like, I'm tired of my life being a rehearsal. Like, I, I want to just go live, like, and, like, do things because I want to and not say no because I have to go to rehearsal or whatever. But the other half was also, like, I'm quitting because I'm pursuing ministry school. Mm -hmm. And that is a way of choosing God over these other things. Mm -hmm. And that just like, that kind of is wild to me. Because that was as recent as a decision I made when I was Mm -hmm. 17.
2: Yeah. I mean, I gave up. I mean, I believed that if you were addicted to coffee, like you had an idol in your life. Yeah. And everyone is addicted to coffee. Yeah. In the whole world. In the whole wide world. (laughs) Including me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I thought, like, anything that you were dependent on or anything that you... Like, I remember a friend of mine gave up The Lord of the Rings for Lent because (sighs) she loved it too much. Oh, my gosh. She watched Mm. it too much. And I'm like, I gave up High School Musical one, one year. Yeah. And it's just like, maybe those were just, like... Forms of escapism like anything else that like we're just trying to disconnect from the trauma that we were living. I don't know, but yeah. but this idea that like, oh, you love that more than God, like get rid of it. Hmm. Yeah. That makes it like immediately bad.
0: Something else that comes to mind around restrictions is dress codes at summer camp. Oh my gosh. One time I went to a summer camp that required the girls to swim in t-shirts It did not matter if you had a one-piece or a two-piece, you best have a t-shirt over that swimsuit. And I'm
2: like... Yeah, and the little boys had to wear swimsuits or t-shirts, too, yeah? No, absolutely
1: not. Oh, interesting. It's ridiculous. That that doesn't count, guys. Hmm. Yeah, women just are not visual. (laughs) And so they they Uh, won't lust after the boys mm -hmm, if they see them. And you know what? None of the boys are gay. So well, they also will not lust after lust after each other Yes. And so well, you don't have to worry about them. Well, girls aren't gay either,
2: so you don't have to worry about them yes. in locker rooms. Or... Absolutely. Yes. yes, yes. And,
1: and girls are scary, so we need to cover them all the way up. No, yeah. girls lust. are a
2: threat. Yes. yes.
1: Girls are what cause
2: adult men to sexually assault the girls. Yes. Absolutely. Actually. Yeah. Yes. You never know what your youth pastor's going to do, but you better believe if your 12-year-old's walking around with a low-cut shirt, your youth pastor might become a different person.
0: Oh, which Gosh. is horrifying to me that that was, like, imposed on the girls, Ugh. like, the young children. And, like, things like, like, make sure you, when you have a meeting, make sure you leave the door open. It's like, what? Because you're going to do actually what? Like. Yeah. Like, I think no one can answer that question still. Mm -hmm. Like, as recently as my ministry school days, they were like, oh, we leave the door open. I'm like, why? What's going to happen? They're like, oh, you know, sometimes things just happen. And now I'm like, no, no. Things no, don't things just don't happen. just happen mm-hmm. actually. Like, are you going to, are you planning on assaulting me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that's the case, I don't want to meet with you, period. Right. In yeah. fact, I don't want to associate with well, you. Well,
2: even more so, do you have a culture of allowing and covering up
1: abuse? There you mm-hmm. go. Because that's something to be concerned about. There yeah. You
2: go.
1: I'd keep the door open Yeah. Then. If that's something I should be concerned about. Yeah. mm -hmm. If this is
2: something you don't take seriously and Mm -hmm. allow to happen within your walls and then you just cover it up and pay people off. Yeah. mm -hmm. That seems concerning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with the door being closed. Mm -hmm. Nope. Definitely not.
1: Yeah. There was a an Instagram post about how um, if a man knows how to like not touch another man's back as he goes across a room, how to not randomly kiss another man, how to not grope another man how to not do all these things. And they also know how to not do that to women. Mm -hmm. And so just don't do it. Just remember that as a human being Mm -hmm. and don't do it to them.
2: Yeah. Full stop. You know how. And like (laughs) the, the allure of a woman's body was presented as so powerful and potent to me Mm. that like, I would cry for hours about things like this. Yeah. Like, like, um, I remember one time when Ross and I were just dating, and at this time we were both, like, little little babes. Um, And I think I was, like, wearing a dress, very modest dress. I mean, everything I wore was modest. And I think I was, like, leaning over in a certain way, and he was like, oh, I can see your boobs. Can you sit up? And I was, like, shocked and, like, horribly, horribly ashamed and cried about, Mm -hmm. like, Possibly causing this person that I loved and cared about so much to sit, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And um, it's just like, oh. yeah. What? It's so sad. Like that-, that felt like the worst. Like I was like, oh my god, I have done the The worst thing I could possibly do yeah. to a person that I care about deeply.
0: Yeah. The and he amount was like, of whoa. Shame. Yeah. Like, I remember the amount of shame that would just wash over me and, like, sit in my stomach. Yeah. And I still feel that sometimes yeah. to this day. And, like... Like I remember like being publicly reprimanded at yes. times for like either things I would wear or like you shouldn't hug boys, like whatever. I'm like, that's my friend. Like I have no emotional like yeah. feelings towards this person other than friendship. And same for me, like and like the the shame mm-hmm. that would just yeah. wash over you. Mm-hmm. I remember that feeling like it's yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I read good old I Kiss Dating Goodbye, uh, our boo. favorite book, Joshua
2: Harris, <laughs> favorite.
1: <laughs> our favorite, favorite book on the podcast. Uh, I read about how if you hugged an, a man, they f- they feel your chest on their chest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. No more hugging boys. Full stop. Yeah. And I stopped. I didn't hug any of my guy friends anyone at church like the only man that I hugged was my father like that was it Mm -hmm. and I I refused and so that went on for years yeah um out of this just I inherently I was like fearful that that I would I I thought of it more as like I'm getting violated Mm -hmm. because they're thinking about me in that way so, like, oh. I'm getting violated because I'm hugging them and then they're thinking about my chest.
0: Interesting. And
1: so that was, like, scary to me. Yeah. Um. Until I finally allowed one close guy friend to hug me and then I allowed the boy I dated to hug me and that was it.
2: Wow.
0: That's wild to me because I didn't think of it as, like, I was being violated. I thought about it as I was violating them because mm. I was just, like, putting my tit on them.
2: <laughs> I'm like – that is not what's happening. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I felt both ways. I, and like, as we've been talking about this, it reminds me of like how much ownership I felt over the thoughts of other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And like how much responsibility I felt for the thoughts of other people and still feel I think I like have. I mean, it's taken a lot of unraveling to like unlearn that. And I'm still very much working on that. Mm-hmm. But this idea that like worst case scenario masturbate to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that would be like the ultimate stumbling. Mm-hmm. And like now, I, th- I look back and I'm like, so. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like creepy and gross, maybe, yeah. just to like know that. But also, at the end of the day, like, yeah,
1: it's kind of a compliment. I Mostly, don't know.
2: I just, i just like, <laughs> don't tell me about it. Yeah, yeah I, well, I'm just like, if someone. If someone did, like, there's nothing I can do about that. It doesn't even affect you. I'm not an active participant in that. No. That's, like, someone else's deal. And so the idea that I felt so much responsibility to prevent that at all costs, I don't know, like, like, yeah, that would be definitely really weird to hear or learn about. Sure. But, Mm -hmm. like, the scenario of someone even telling you that they masturbated Mm -hmm. to you is already weird and problematic. Yeah. So -hmm. so that's what I'm saying, like, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like... So what if you see my boob and you, like, go home thinking about it? Yeah. I don't know. You're
1: welcome. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, it's wild to me that, like, I don't think my mind ever even went that far in terms of, like, I never thought, like, oh, what if someone jacks off about me? Like, that was just never a a thought. I don't think I even processed the idea that someone in my church might be masturbating (laughs) I was like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think other people You're were like, it was only you. <laughs> yeah. was like, You're the only one. <laughs> and so I don't know why that was like, it just didn't even cross my mind that that was happening or that that was an option or that they would want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that was a self-esteem thing. I just
2: felt like a target all the time. Mm. I felt like I was just an irresistible slice of meat that, oh, Would walk into a room and guys could not resist my scent. Yeah, like that would just salivate. That was how. That was how like modesty was framed to me. And then Mm. it didn't. It probably didn't help that on top of that I was, you know, tall and beautiful and thin, and you know had all these other things that made me believe like, oh no, I am pretty, so therefore like, I am extra, super threat. Mm -hmm. Mm. And it just yeah, it was just more crippling because. I, th- I felt like I, especially in my clothing, had to actively make myself ugly to not feel like a possible threat. Absolutely. And so I made myself feel bad about how I looked with what I wore to prevent myself from feeling good looking. Absolutely.
0: Hmm. Similarly to you, I had a fat, juicy ass. Still do. And <laughs> She juicy. I have the same, like... I have the same thing similarly and I think in in correlation with that was the pressure to not be beautiful Mm -hmm. like there was such a like deep like subliminal messaging of like don't be too pretty you should be pretty so if you're ugly you should probably wear makeup. Similar, like differently from what Emma said earlier, mm. of like you're beautiful the way God made you, so you should not wear makeup. But it's like if you're beautiful, you shouldn't wear makeup. But yeah, like you, but if you're not beautiful, you need you to make you an effort, but don't makeup. make too
2: much of an effort, exactly. Because you have to be pretty so that somebody will want to marry you, but not too pretty that all the men will lust after you. But also,
0: don't trick them. So yes. on your wedding
2: night, when you take off the makeup,
1: they're they've yes. been duped. Yeah, you can't. Was mm. this anybody. something that talked about in your church? This is like all the
2: implicit messages. Yeah, actually, is a book. This woman interviews all these men about things that they would like in a woman. Yeah, and she spends an entire chapter about how men want women to make an effort into their appearance. Mm -hmm. And so, don't be too fat. Mm -hmm. Or if you are a little fat, like make sure you're like dressing yourself up nice Mm -hmm. and like you know. But Mm -hmm. but then also that's coupled with this purity culture messaging of don't be irresistible. Yeah, definitely. And so yeah, like we were. I, like, I literally remember internalizing in this book, like, oh, my gosh, like, I, I do need to make an effort on how I look because that's what my husband will want. But mm-hmm. make
0: the right effort. Right. Like, if you make the wrong effort, then you're trying too hard to get the attention. Yeah. And then
2: that's not virtuous. If you don't make an effort, then you're embarrassing him for being his wife. But if, Or, you know, you're not desirable enough to him. But if you do make an effort, you can't make too much of an effort or, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know what will happen. Someone will masturbate to you. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get trafficked. I don't know. You're going to get got. I don't. Yeah. That's to me. I look back and I'm like, why was that such a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what? And now even I can say that to you and be like, so what? Who cares? But still, like, especially in work settings or more like um, professional settings, Mm -hmm. I still feel like so much or even just like going back to the midwest when i visit family i just mm-hmm. feel like so much pressure to not present myself in like a slutty way. Mm. <laughs> California is very forgiving in what you can wear for it's sure true. in comparison yeah. to the midwest that's
0: that's true. So yeah.
2: that is so true. It is
0: it is so wild the like utter mind fuck. Yeah. That was the purity culture landscape for a young female. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean,
2: we can just, like, do a whole episode on that, and we have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Multiple. <laughs>
2: Multiples. But point B, yeah, I think all of it, I think even just your sexuality in general felt, like, so, like, I would probably say at least 50% of what made you a good Christian,
1: mm-hmm. you know?
2: Like, what you wore, what your purity was, like, all of that was so monumental in, like— a young adolescence development in the church. Yeah. And now it's looking back, it's like, whoa. Yeah. I had other things going on in my life, and my sex drive was the last on the list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk about purity culture, because there was just monumental moment after monumental moment, and shame layered upon shame. Everything was high stakes when
2: it came to purity culture. I would say the easiest one is your virginity. Are you a virgin?
1: Could almost be synonymous with, do you love God? (laughs) (laughs) Are you a good person? See, I would say in our church environment, it was, are you a virgin or have you lost your virginity and are, like, repentant of it? That was Mm -hmm. the two things that, like, made you holy, that made you a good Christian Either you are a virgin or you feel bad for not being a virgin. Well, <laughs> as long as you lost your virginity before you were following Christ. don't oh, know. even people, I mean, we had one of our leaders in our, like, group uh, who he was, like, I don't know, 18, lost his virginity. And he, like, told us all the leaders that he lost his virginity and, like, repented. And we were like, all right, bro well there's a <laughs> period though
2: of shame that you have to go through i think right if you lose your virginity within the church context yeah, sure. you yeah i don't know like, what his you, personal right his you personal lose your virginity lies. and then you have to go through this period of like of guilt and shame and then yeah. and then you can truly move on whatever and you know like they might forgive you in the moment but like you're still on a blacklist for a little while yeah
1: he still led at church, did wow. everything that he already did. That's so, so there was. Um, Again, my church was a pretty unique scenario <laughs> compared to a lot of others. So it's my, not that
2: relevant. My youth pastor's daughter lost her virginity. And oh my God. <sighs> youth pastor's daughter. She had to come up, like, the, she had to, like, go preach about it and like <gasps> talk about how she lost her virginity. And, but honestly, I remember listening to her tell her story and the thing that, Was craziest to me was people's reactions to her losing her virginity. Mm -hmm. Because she had been, like, I mean, her mom was a, her mom slash my youth pastor was an abstinence educator. And she would go around to schools and, like, tell kids not to have sex. Otherwise, they'd get STDs. And. (laughs) um, No other option. (laughs) So she had all these boyfriends in her past and all these, like, relationships and guys that had been friends with her and whatever. Who, upon finding out that she had lost her virginity, were then offended that she had denied them the opportunity to take her virginity virginity and she gave it to this other guy and so she was like she had multiple boyfriends who reacted like this i mean she her she was she dated all over Mm -hmm. right she and her her sister were both allowed to date very openly yeah which was very not what i was allowed to do but they were allowed to date but they weren't allowed to have sex yeah and so they had like made out with guys and kissed people and whatever but they were saving themselves for marriage Mm -hmm. and so she had all that additional pressure being the pastor's daughter yeah and um and yeah like she talked about having guys text her the next morning because news traveled really fast for Mm. her too Mm. and she had guys like that she thought were friends texting her the next day and being like why (laughs) why why didn't you give it to me or like (gasps) Why, you know, like... They were upset that she didn't have sex with them, that yes. she had
1: sex with this other guy. They were like, guy. I thought you
2: weren't having sex, and that was the only reason you weren't going to have sex with me.
1: Wow. So they aren't even mad that she's, like, not pure anymore. They're mad they didn't get some? They just, yeah. they didn't get the opportunity. Yes, they were like, I thought you were just, like, anti-sex.
0: So it was, they're like, why did this guy get the trophy, essentially? Yes.
1: <gasps> also, the audacity. <laughs> I know. To ask that. Oh, oh.
2: So anyways, and the fact that she even had to go up in front of the church and say, I lost my virginity. Here's my story. Yeah. To me, that's traumatizing all on, like in and of itself. Yeah. Please forgive me. But mm. then on top of that, she has all these a-holes, like level one a-holes who are re- reaching out to her and like upset that wow. she's had sex now and they weren't that's on the list. That's crazy.
0: Oh, that like reminds me of like at church camp, mm. we would have like special days where like you could elect a class to go to. And I decided to go to a class on purity (laughs) in, I think it was middle school, honestly. And I remember this woman got up and shared a story and she was married by that point, but she's like, I'm going to tell you why you basically shouldn't have sex because I had sex with someone else when I was younger, and then they're not my husband. I didn't get married to them. And I remember crying. Wow. As she, like, I remember feeling so much pain for her <sighs> as she told this story. And, like you said, like, this is so, like, traumatizing to mm-hmm. just, like, like cultivate this um, environment where it's like, oh, all this horrible stuff because I had sex with someone else before I knew my husband. And then me like having that emotional reaction to her sharing her story Mm -hmm. that's very intimate and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that like people like women and People in the church are expected to share those kinds of stories. It's mm-hmm. like your sexuality belongs to the community mm-hmm. and not to you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. I remember I my first, like, serious boyfriend, he had a bit more experience than I. <laughs> <laughs> I and I remember being terrified to ask him if he was a virgin or not because mm-hmm. I was – like, so scared that maybe he had, like, he had already crossed that line, you know? Like, it felt very scary to me, like, the idea yeah. that, like, he – and I – I but I also wasn't of the mindset of, like, I would have broken up with him, but it was like, oh, that would hurt, you know? Like, and he so, not wait for me. Yeah. And just the idea that, like, it – I in my mind, it was, like, a sign of, like, you know, your faithfulness and your resolve. And it's like, oh, he's not as – He's, like, showing himself to be less faithful. Because he would talk about, at times, like, girls that he had dated in the past and kind of hinted towards things. And so asking Um, him that was, like, a very scary thing. Yeah. Um, And... Thank God he was a virgin, according to what he said. So,
2: Oh, my God. (sighs) (laughs)
1: But but probably just barely. (laughs) The culture
2: in our youth group was, because of my pastor, was such that, like, you just regularly, blatantly would ask people if they were virgins.
1: What? Yeah. Like, you just
2: go up to people, it,
1: like I think. Hi, that, my name's Kelly. Are you a virgin? Like I be, am.
2: That would be like one of her first questions to random dudes that join the youth group.
1: <gasps>
2: what? She'd be like, "Are you a virgin?" And they'd say yes or no, and she'd be like, "Great. Well, you're going to be a secondary one if you're not. Like, this is the way I, things a are. A secondary one. A secondary virgin. What is? It's, I don't know. It what means, that means God will restore your virginity. Yes. Yeah. It oh. Means you are not a virgin, but that you have recommitted to abstinence whoa wow and she I, she would talk about how she would ask like anytime her, her daughter's got a boyfriend she'd be like are they a virgin wow it was like
1: just like a, it's such a weird it's like you're, thing it's to like get... saying your name your pronouns and your virginity status right. like, <laughs> yeah it's such a weird thing to get so hung up on no it was
2: yeah it was huge like it was like
1: i would wow. be like i would never date that person they're not a virgin uh no. see my assumption was always if anyone is a christian they're a virgin Like, I just assumed. I was like, oh, you must be. I didn't, but I didn't ask people. I didn't go around Mm -hmm. talking about it. I was just like, oh, they're probably a virgin.
2: We were, like, probably (laughs) the most sex-positive youth group you could be in the context of purity culture. Mm -hmm. Because, like, we talked very openly about it, but Mm -hmm. it was also still very taboo. Mm -hmm. But, like, we, it was an open conversation, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. But it was, like, sex is good. Yeah. If you're going to have a rockin' time with your husband. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. Here's all the details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But are you a
1: virgin or not? Oh, wow. That is wild. I do remember kissing even was a big deal, though. Like, oh. because we it- all read I Kiss Dating Goodbye, mm-hmm. like, it was taught at my church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I was saving my first kiss for marriage (laughs) because
2: if you date someone or have a physical relationship with them and end up not marrying them you're always going to wonder what happened what would happen if i had married that person instead Uh, and that was you know as someone that has kissed other people I don't think that. Yeah. I'm
0: like, I would have a very sad, boring life if I well, were married
1: to that
2: also, person. Also, like, <laughs> even if you did think that, who cares? Like, that's so human nature to be like, yeah. well, what if this like, had what happened? What would have happened yeah. if I had never married Ross? Like, what yeah. would have happened if... Yeah. But, if I never
1: took that job, yeah. if I never moved to this place. Yeah. I,
2: yeah. Like, that's just... Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, normal to think about. Yeah. And it's it, it's not necessarily a... a sign of a bad thing unless you're in a toxic relationship that you yeah. are yeah. wishing that you weren't in. So yeah. it's not like you're going to long for something that you never got. I remember asking my spiritual mom before I started dating uh, my only other boyfriend besides Ross, like, is it okay if I date him? Like, what do you think? And she was like, She's kind of like, well, I mean, like, I dated some people before I married Lonnie, but like, and sometimes, you know, because of finances, I think like, how would my life be different or whatever? But honestly, like, it's not, like, a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, you'll remember them, but it's not like they're going to stick in your soul
1: for the rest of your life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I remember that same first serious boyfriend. He was the second boy I ever dated. The first boy I ever dated I didn't even kiss because I was saving it for marriage. Uh, the second boy I dated for a full 13 months before we kissed (laughs) and it was only through immense pressure that I finally kissed him like it was through him asking so many times it was through him talking to our church worship leader and being like do you think it'd be okay for us to kiss and him saying yes and then him coming to me knowing I very much respected that worship leader and saying he said it's okay if we kiss so I think it's okay if we kiss. And I finally allowed kissing to happen. Mm. But it took a lot of wearing down because I had that so steeped in my mind of, like, Mm. this kiss is very important and special Mm. and it cannot be given away willy-nilly. It cannot just go because there was just a momentous amount of pressure on those very innocent things that, like, people do when they're, like, freaking 12 you yeah. know and to me it was like no
2: yeah i mean and the premise is so flawed this idea that you could give something
1: away and mm-hmm. no longer
2: have it yeah right like actually you still have your your lips and yeah you still have your sexuality and yeah. like it's still yours like yeah. you get to choose how to express it Mm-hmm. in whatever way you want and that doesn't mean you won't have regrets Sure, you know? that doesn't mean you might not like make out with a dude who turned out to be like an idiot yeah, or whatever. yeah. which this guy was <laughs> he <You> sucked <laughs> and you've spent 13 months thinking about that you yes know? like you still you know but yeah. it's not like like you haven't lost anything actually yeah. you
1: you just gained an experience yes better way of thinking about it i think I don't um, know, like for sure did you yeah.
2: lose something when you went on your first hike yeah, and that you was... lost.
1: I guess the experience of the first time hiking. <laughs> but That doesn't mean that you won't like hiking anymore. Yeah, or that hiking is now defiled. Yeah, for you. Yeah, it's a ridiculous it's like way of thinking the about wrong it. Hike. That's yeah. like saying, oh, the first time you you eat a grilled cheese sandwich, yeah. you have to you lost careful. that forever. Yeah, no, it's so silly and trivial. Yeah, it does not take away from your life. No. It only adds. You I like just, that, that idea. It adds lived. to the experiences you've had. You it adds lived. to who you are as a person. Yeah. 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 Don't do things because you feel pressured to do it, because you either way, yeah. either direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it because you want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let it enrich your life. Yes. You can learn from it, you can grow from it.
2: Like you have not been sullied anything. No. That's a real word. Yeah. <laughs> you are not like a white T-shirt to be tarnished. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, which that's an analogy that I think I heard too many times. Like you're just you become a white T-shirt, and you every you time one? are you're you not, like
1: you are one. If
0: you think of a, like a virgin, like a white yeah. T-shirt, yeah. and every time you do something with someone else, it's like they're putting you on and taking you off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ugh, like no, how Thank dare you? you. <laughs> yeah,
1: objectification.
0: Da, 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 yeah. na,
2: wow. But yeah, point being, all of these things felt like determiners of my future, of my, the success of my future marriage, mm-hmm. of the success of my faith, of measures of my devotion to God, of measures yeah. of um, how much I truly believed. Totally.
0: Like, I mean, all those things are what prevented me from dating my now husband yeah. for almost a year. Yeah. I was like, no, we're friends, no, we're friends, no, we're friends, no, we're friends. And then finally my spiritual mom broke me down and was like, babe, what's the big deal? Toby, shout out to you. Um, there you go. And I was like, well, the kind of men are the that I date are the, men I, the kind of man I'm going to marry and I don't want to marry him. And she was like, just go for ice cream. <laughs> That's literally it. Like, you don't have to marry him. And I was yeah. like, I, like, that was like so mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. I was like... What? Like, it's, like, that meme where, like, the girl's, like, doing math and, like, squinting and, like, staring off into the distance. Like, that's what happened in my brain. It, like, broke. I was, like, you can't go to ice cream without knowing if you want to marry someone. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So intense. Mm -hmm. Which is also goes back to, like, this, like, very marriage-centric construct in the Christian church. This idea that, like, it all roads lead to marriage, which I think is already, like, a poor construct to work off of. Mm-hmm. Like, that it, it forces people to feel so much pressure around dating, around how it's going to impact a future marriage. Um, and it doesn't even allow people to consider even the question of, do I want marriage?
2: like that's not even considered that's not even a
1: question no No. you want you want marriage everyone wants marriage it's like in that pool of things like you must want marriage you must want kids you must be heterosexual Mm -hmm. like you must follow all along with all of these things Mm -hmm. full stop Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you this is the way like Mm -hmm. this is how god intended for it to be Mm -hmm. for some reason even though the bible does not indicate that (laughs) but If we were following the Bible's construct of marriage, we would all have multiple partners. Yeah. (laughs) Full stop. Which honestly, men would have multiple partners. Yes. And women would be property and sex slaves. Yes. So. Yeah, we're going off of what the Bible says. Yes. Which brings us back to biblical inerrancy, exactly. Like, literally, like the idea—it's this really flawed idea that Christians so often follow of like the Bible is absolute truth, full stop. And it's like if you really believed that, you would do all these things. Even if you cast the Old Testament out, if you th- say every single thing Jesus said is something we should do, all of you wouldn't have hands because you would have cut off your hands you for making out, you lust. Cut out your
2: eyeballs. You would have cut out soon. your eyeballs.
1: You would never ever feel any disdain towards an enemy you would always turn your other cheek when someone hits you and let them hit you again Mm -hmm. you would always give away all of your wealth you would not like you you don't believe this they don't actually believe in biblical inerrancy because it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a ridiculous concept anyways sorry that brings us all the way back to the beginning (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean it's like you believe in biblical inerrancy to
2: the standards that you have determined to to as much as
1: it benefits them yes Mm -hmm. and that's fine just admit it. Yeah. Like, don't pretend yeah. that you believe every single thing that's in the Bible. You have determined what parts of the Bible benefit you the most and feed into your worldview and yeah. your power structures that you're comfortable yep. with. And that is fine. Mm-hmm. Just well, understand that. it's it. not fine. Yes, because it's not fine. The thing is, is we all do it. Yeah. yeah. Like, everyone who's reading the Bible is putting it into their worldview right. and— manipulating it, and I feel like manipulating is like a dirty word, but I mean in the sense of you are looking at it and thinking of it through your lens. Right. That is just the way people are. will happen. That is how it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So just admit it. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts to get real
2: fishy when you notice, oh, the way that we interpret this in the sort of like stereotypical evangelical framework, it seems to really benefit a certain small group of people in very specific ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. And seems to... Oppress and not benefit everyone else. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Weird. Was that God's design? Hmm. Let's think hmm. about that. Yeah. I don't know. Because
1: if instead you exchange biblical inerrancy for just like following basic biblical principles, you get a very different faith. That hmm. is true. Very, very different. Oh, she said it. So, Dang. She anyways, said it. Emma's on fire. And got oh, riled that's up. really
0: good. Yeah. Preach. I'm like. <laughs> Can we just, like, play that to all of, like, our old pastors? That'd be great, actually. <laughs> I'm like, hey, long time no talk. Here, listen to this. <laughs> I'm like,
2: um, the number of just, like, randos with a bachelor's degree from a stupid college that has one worldview mm-hmm. that are just running operations. That are qualified experts in all areas of life. In all of areas of life. life. Just sit go, down. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Sit down seriously take a chill i mean and we're lucky if they even do have that most of them yeah. have no bachelor's degree that's true or any sort of qualifications except for the fact that they're a white man yep yeah and they just really love jesus and another white man happened to notice their potential hmm oh well ladies
0: holy shit the amount <laughs> of things that were like so such a big deal yeah. like it's it's so sad like we are we, I say we still, like, I participate in church. I know.
1: You keep calling it your church, too. I know. And I'm like, you don't go there. I know.
0: I know. And it's, uh, I don't know. But, like, the amount of pressure that is put on congregations and mm-hmm. young people, it's, it's really heartbreaking. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Jesus did not mean to. His intention was not to put you through utter turmoil mm-hmm. to determine if you are a good person or not. So maybe take a few deep breaths have you know a sip of some tea or some alcohol which is not something we got into today but wow that was a whole thing um and just remember like the purpose of faith that he came to set you free so why are you binding
2: yourself i think i just dream of a day when the predominant faith practice in america regardless of the religion it's associated with, is of an invitational nature and mm. not a domination and control nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where people are invited to partake in spiritual things and practice spiritual practices, um, but it is no longer a uh, an indoctrination or a cult or yeah. some sort of, like, lifetime commitment to a specific way of thinking. Yeah. Because we change.
0: That's so real. And it's not about how or when you get baptized or if you wear a t-shirt over your swimsuit or no. even how many people you've slept with yeah. and that you're not objectified. Yeah. yeah. In stupid analogies that are
2: flawed. Yeah. And I yeah, I think like if I would look at faith objectively, like none of those things define this loving God that we've been yeah. like purported to believe in, right? Mm-hmm. There's like uh, your your behavior actually has very little to do with this this grace of God that mm-hmm. is described in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and in fact, whatever you do actually is described as nothing. It's sort of described as like worthless. It yeah. actually is if if you're really practicing the faith by the grace of God that you are receiving whatever you're receiving from the benefits of faith. So
1: yeah. I think
2: having a more humble approach to the lack of control that you have in what, like, this freedom that's offered, with, especially within Christianity, mm-hmm. it's a good thing to meditate on and focus on. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise we get very, very controlling mm-hmm. and just straight up rude
0: mm-hmm.
2: and oppressive. And those have been very harmful to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's just my take.
0: Yeah, we've talked about it all, guys. We've talked about purity culture. We've talked about baptisms. We've talked about some church camp. We've talked about, for some reason, like, young girls are so threatening to older men. And, I mean, the list goes on. I hope that this uh, was... An enjoyable conversation for you and also that you were able to maybe identify some things that you didn't recognize were problematic, either in your current faith practice or in your past faith practice, because I feel like it is a ongoing unwinding, Mm -hmm. at least for me. Mm -hmm. So with all that, I guess we're going to land this plane for today. And say, first episode,
2: season four. First
0: episode, season four. And Kelly's just going to get bigger and bigger until baby comes out one day. And me and Emma are going to help her with whatever she needs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: But Emma can drill holes in my ceiling now. There you go. Exactly. She's got you. You're welcome. Just call her DIY Emma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay.
0: um well women beings it is a delight and an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be back with you today and we look forward to seeing you again in a month and talking and in the meantime make sure that you are following us on tiktok and threads and instagram and youtube and giving us a review because we've been doing this for four years now and if you haven't given us a review by now come on
1: Come on, give me, Juana.
0: Just fun. Just give We've earned review. it. <laughs> We've earned yeah, your review. I <laughs> yeah, think. we would love it. And if you obviously, you'll miss us in the three weeks between each episode. So reach out to us on Instagram. We always yeah. love to have the conversation,
1: and we'll still be posting on there.
0: Yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. still be active. We'll be around. Yeah. So, in the meantime, though, we hope you have a good one, and we'll talk again soon. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.